Hello, morning, Sir Peregrine. How are we this morning? Right as a button, sharp as a knife, sir. Good, good. Anyone who can, how does the dog miss this? Mr. Wilson. Something electrical, sir? They don't get any brighter, Doc, do they? Unlike my picture. Um, man, he thinks he's our colour television, sir. Very perspicacious. Anything else? Does he have teletext? Of course I have. Come on. Remote control? You're missing something. You're missing something, Mr. Hughes. He's a Philips colour television, sir. Good. So? Classic case of delusions of grandeur, sir. Thank you, Mr. Hughes. I'm glad I can rely on someone. Onward, ever onward. Back into bed, Mr. Crockett. Come along. Come Sharp on. picture, remote control, teletext. Wouldn't you like to be a Philips colour television? to Teletext People. Teletext People is a social record of people that have been involved in either the production or the restoration or the artwork of the blocky medium that once dominated our TV screens in Great Britain before 2012. In the series, you will hear from the pioneers, the people who made it tick, and also people who have only recently visited the Teletext medium, but are in their own way keeping it alive for the preservation for others in the future. In this episode, we speak to Alistair Cree, creator of the ZXNet Teletext Editor, and amongst other things, an archivist of all things Teletext, and a technical guru. I started by asking Alistair what Teletext meant to him. Teletext for me was the computer when I was sort of, you know, five or six. Because we had one computer in the house and that was my dad's and he used it for boring things. So we'd maybe get an hour to play on the computer, but then the rest of the day, you know, if I wanted to uh, read words off a, off a shiny screen, it was sitting in front of the telly, pressing the buttons, um, looking at Bamboozle and uh, Turn of the Worm and reading the, the letters pages on CFAX, things like that. So I've always been into computers, and that was CFAX was my first computer, essentially. All right. And how old were you when you first um, started using the uh, teletext on the, on the telly? Well, I mean, it's as long as I can remember, really. I, I remember we had a TV uh, before the one that I can kind of remember vividly in, in my head, the remote and everything, and I don't know whether that had teletext or not. Um, Certainly, I don't remember Oracle. Uh, I only remember CFAX and Teletext Limited. So, mid early to mid nineties onwards, really, is is what I remember of Teletext. So, one of the, one of my earliest Teletext projects, as it were, was um, designing what if what what my service would be like, um, and very much in the technical side of things, I downloaded. Uh, I found a website with all the Teletext specification and things like that. Um, so as an 11-year-old or whatever, I was poring over this Teletext, uh, all the, the bit stream, working out how it would work. Um, but obviously at that point I had no way of 
of really generating a teletext signal uh, long before Raspberry Pis and so on. So that that got put aside and forgotten about again until really um, 2016, I suppose, when uh, I came across the the Facebook group and found oh actually there's other people out there interested in teletext um, and, and that's how I got back into it at that point that was it was just around the time that the the first event that you did at the computer the Cambridge uh, Centre for Computing History um, which I didn't come to but either you or Dan had invited me uh, down to, to to meet up um, but I didn't come down then, but that was really about the time I got to more involved in, in all the stuff that was going on. Um, and that was later that year, in uh, about October 2016, that was when I started writing my teletext editor. How did you go about sort of designing that? How was that, how was that made? Well, it was very inspired by Simon Rawls's uh, Edit TF site. Um, and I mean, in 2016, I just started uh, experimenting with some code uh, to see what I could do, really, um, because I was interested in the the higher level teletext features, all the extra colours and so on. So really, it started out as a project just to uh, write code to render a page with all the extra colours and so on available. It took quite a long time before it, it turned into a usable editor of course uh, but that, that I'd, st I'd started that in October 2016 and, and worked on that through that winter to where it was in a, in a usable state for people to have a go on it by February when we had the the next event at Cambridge. Mostly the, the design of the interface was uh, inspired by Simon's editor uh, and then I, I gradually built on that feature by feature. There's quite a few things that it's missing uh, in terms of uh, implementing all of the parts of the Teletext specification. So there's uh, the big one that uh, sort of annoys me that I've not made more progress on it is something called objects where you can have predefined um, programmed bits of uh, enhancement data that can be placed anywhere on a teletext page but that that's very difficult to implement so it's one of those things I keep procrastinating and putting it off and putting it off um, but one of these days uh, I'll, I'll sit down and get my head around it uh, that, that's the, the, the next big feature as it were uh, the other thing is I want to hook it up to a, a database system so that I can have multiple users working on a, a teletext service um, it's similar to the way the the block party editing server that i wrote for the uh, the event at cambridge works but uh, again that's that's a big undertaking that's going to take a lot of rewriting of stuff so i keep pushing it a bit further away and a bit further uh, so um, I noticed uh, when you use the editor, you have the option of using something called Level 2.5 Teletext. Um, would you be able to explain to me how 2.5 uh, Level Teletext differs from the Teletext that I might have been viewing on the on, on my own television back in the day? 
well, well I can give it a go. <laughs> the the basic uh, teletext as uh, devised in the 70s and that's retrospectively been called level one uh, is just 40 columns, uh, 25 rows of uh, text and graphics characters. Um, really it's, it's a thousand thousand bytes and each of those cells on the screen can be it can be text or it can be graphics and so on but to enhance that they developed a system where it's it's more like the uh, the French Minitel uh, system where things can be placed on the display without needing control characters to change them so-called non-spacing attributes so if you instead of having to have a red control code and then some text which would be red and then a yellow control code and text which would be yellow you can have the, the text on the screen and in level 2.5 you can say at this cursor position on the screen I want the text to be red and over here elsewhere on the screen I want the text to be yellow without needing to take up spaces with control codes that's the biggest difference really it put the extra data to describe those things elsewhere than inside the teletext page because in, in level one you've got those thousand bytes and that's all you've got if you uh, if you want to to change a color you've got to give up one of those bytes to change the color uh, so if they'd made the the facility to have more colors and so on it would have used up more space for the control codes so there's always a trade-off in teletext that you want to get the best uh, get the most features without wasting the bandwidth because it's so limited the broadcasters particularly the iba had uh, done a lot of experimentation with these new techniques um, and that was the the extra colors and so on and extra mosaic graphics and so on was uh, designated level two um, then there were more features and so on proposed uh, and tested uh, that were designated level three but then none of that was really implemented because it would have taken very expensive electronics so the the television manufacturers weren't uh, interested and so on because it would co make the sets cost too much so it wasn't really taken forwards all there were were a few test broadcasts uh, but then the, when the the teletext specification was uh, republished in 97 i think it was as the enhanced teletext specification some of the features from level three had been added to the features from level two and they designated what they'd mixed it all together they designated level 2.5 the the level 2.5 from the late 90s onwards that was implemented by a few uh, here and there broadcasters in mainland Europe so the I think there's a Dutch uh, broadcaster used it and one of the German broadcasters ZDF used it um, not in any great amount but uh, it, it was at least broadcast and television manufacturers began to uh, implement the the level 2.5 features into their sets so even from the at the very end of CRT 
televisions being on the market. There's a few of those with level 2.5. Just a reminder that if you're listening to this on your favourite podcast app, you can also find this on the YouTube channel. And if you are watching on YouTube, you can find us on your favourite podcasting app. You can find out ways that you can help with the show in the show notes. Later in 2017, I broke the rendering code out of the editor into its into a separate sort of module uh, that the editor could use, but then also used that to develop the online viewer. Uh, so that's the the heart of the ed- of the editor of code really ripped out into a separate project to be able to take teletext packets. Uh, a teletext packet stream from, for example, VBit2 or from uh, a teletext recovery or from a recording off-air and feed that into the the online viewer so that you can experience the packets just as though you were using a, a teletext DV from maybe the late 90s. That's That's been particularly popular. Um, and And since... Since I wrote that in, uh, that was in uh, the end of 2017. That was broken out into its own code. Uh, since then, I'm, I mean, I was approached by the website TV Arc in 2018 to ask if I could help them with developing a an online teletext service for TV Arc, and I said, well, I could do better than help you with it here's what i've already got all the codes do you want to use it so they've had um a copy of the teletext viewer on tv arc and uh nathan dane who wrote the uh the nms cfax uh re recreation uh, he also has a copy of my viewer code on his server to provide a front end for his cfax service yeah, the the difference between the the web interfaces that the broadcasters use and my uh, online teletext viewer is that they obviously are in the business of presenting the information to uh, their users, their viewers, in the most uh, efficient and uh, user friendly and quick manner they can. So they have all the teletext pages from their system loaded into a separate system which renders them out as maybe uh, images or uh, something where the the images and the text can be displayed on the web page or the mobile phone app whereas my my viewer um, possibly a bit ridiculous but it goes in the opposite direction of trying to emulate the behavior of a television so when you dial in a page number, for example, that page doesn't immediately load as fast as the server can send you the, the information because it's it's trying to be teletext. And in fact, it's being fed from a, an actual teletext packet stream. So just like on, an, on a television broadcast feeding into a television, if you've dialed in page uh, you know, 106, it has to wait for the transmitter to broadcast page 106 before it can display that on the screen. So 
that's you know you might say that's that's a ridiculous backwards way around you're making it harder for people to read the teletext and easier but uh, i i do it that way because it provides a way to get the proper experience of teletext as though you were sitting down in front of a big you know crt television with only you know no page cache memory and so on um and experience it the right way because it's it's easy to look at pictures of you know screenshots of teletext pages but that's not quite the same experience as interacting with the television um that's receiving the pages packet by packet line by line uh and having them refresh onto the page when they're broadcast rather than when you're ready for them in some cases uh with the uh teletext editor i know that you got um, a, a little little flair a flair um for art yourself are there, are there any particular styles of art that you like to produce um it's my calling myself a teletext artist came difficult because to begin with i, I really didn't feel like i was a teletext artist i was uh, experimenting with the teletext art to see what i could do and then as i was writing more putting more features into the teletext editor for the other people wanted for their teletext art i was having to test them of course and uh, try out different uh, ideas and i got into it bit by accident that way that i didn't st start off intending to do teletext art i i started off intending to test the teletext editor uh, and just got more practice and more practice over time as for what styles um I mean, I, I don't stick to any particular thing, really. I, I, I struggle to think of subjects to do in teletext, and when I do, it's all different things, really. I, I pick at uh, different ideas and different styles. What I do tend to do a lot of is use the uh, hold mosaics uh, technique, where you bang your head against the wall for three hours and eventually a picture comes out that's got two colours next to each other. Um, I, I, I do tend to overcomplicate the artworks. <laughs> yeah, some of your over-engineered reproductions, though, are, um, are, are, are well well known for uh, having a lot of hold graphics uh, in them. Um, but it's not only art that you do. You do a lot of cleaning up of pages. And um, it, how, what, what are you cleaning up? Um, when when you're having to do that, are they recovered from videotape? Yeah, well, the way I got into that really, um, in 2018, uh, around Christmas time, I I thought, well, this teletext uh, recovery stuff, it looks quite fun, and I've got quite a lot of videotapes, so I'll, I think I'll have a go, uh, and st so started setting up. Uh, the hardware, getting the hardware set up that would be required to do the teletext recovery, and uh, over that that winter started um, capturing in and recovering from the text from some of my tapes. Um, so I, I was working through those by January 2020. I'd amassed a, a reasonable amount. I got into uh, found some turn of the worm pages and. I figured, well, nobody else is doing anything with these. I'll start uh, cleaning the Turn of the Worm pages up and maybe build a Turn of the Worm ar archive. 
as I say, I started the, the Turn of the Worm archive work in January 2020, uh, and uh, people were sending, other teletext recoverers were sending me their recoveries of Channel 4 teletext uh, to extract the the Turn of the Worm pages, uh, and so I could start building an archive much bigger than the number of tapes I physically owned. I think I've only got three tele three tapes with uh, Channel 4 text from the 90s and 2000s. But before long, uh, people were feeding me hundreds of recoveries uh, to start building this Turn of the Worm archive. What I do, I'm, I'm quite stubborn about it. Things only go into the archive when I'm sure that I've correctly fixed all of the teletext recovery errors so when you're doing teletext recovery uh, the process will quite often damage uh, bytes in the the page so letters if, if you've uh, looked at a recovered teletext page you tend to get letters like uh, E's become J's and things like that um, which when it's a page of text it's quite easy to, to spot that uh, a letter has changed and changed it back but in the something like uh, Turn of the Worm, which is a cartoon uh, strip page, errors will change the mosaic blocks around. So you, you get black spots in, in, in the areas of colour where they shouldn't be and uh, pairs of pixels swap around and things like that. So it can be quite difficult to uh, find every last one. But luckily, through the 90s at least, uh, the teletext page checksum provides me with a way to confirm that I've got all the errors corrected and at that point I can uh, put it into the the archive and uh, there the, the completed turn turn the worm stories are displayed in a in a, a little interactive viewer on my website as well you mentioned uh, the amount of work that goes into recovering these um th these um, teletext data off of um old VHS tapes um, what sort of equipment do you need to to do this? Well, uh, the the recovery stuff. Um, there's quite a few people doing it now, but basically, you need a uh, a PC uh, with a video capture card. Um, now the problem is that there's certain video capture cards which are known to work, and they're quite old. Uh, so they need a quite old PC to work with it, and the software all works best in Linux. So it's all a bit awkward to set up, but it's it's nothing uh, rare and expensive, as it were. It's uh, it's it's only uh, ordinary PC uh, hardware, but uh, it's just the hardest part is getting all the software to talk to everything and work properly. Yeah, and it's it's a learning cliff to figure out the software rather than a learning curve. It's <laughs> it's really a brick wall when you first start using it, but mm -hmm. once it's set up, I mean, you just feed the tapes in and it uh, it captures the data and off you go on to the next one. Really, obviously, it takes it takes you know three hours to feed a three-hour tape into the video machine, but you can go away and do something else while it does that. the The problem after you've processed all this stuff is that you've got hundreds of megabytes of uh, data. Well, I mean, I've got gigabytes now collected on the on the PC. But what do you do with it all? There's all those thousands and thousands of teletext pages. But actually doing something useful with them, going through and, and seeing what you've got, is is a real 
that's that's the the biggest problem. Anybody can feed tapes in and feed tapes in and feed tapes in, but we need to find something to do with the data when we've finished. Um, because people feeding me the recoveries for the Turn of the Worm archive, uh, they, and they were they were doing the same for. Uh, Tim Bisley, who was processing all the stuff for Chris Bell's Super Page Fifty Eight, uh, he was doing all the the digitizer pages. Um, uh, around July last year, he, uh, you know, had changes of circumstance in his life and didn't want to do that anymore. He re sort of retired from the digitizer uh, processing and and handed that on to a couple of others of us. Um, but at that point, that was I. At that point, I I looked at all of the the stuff I'd collected for the Turner, the Worm archive, and all of the stuff that he'd collected for Digitizer, which he'd passed on to me. Uh, and basically, I looked at it and thought, this is an absolute shambles. Nobody's ever going to find anything in here. Um, we need to sit down and really rigorously decide what have we got. Um, what can we do with it and so on so at that point in it was july 2021 um i started going through and really cataloguing all of the teletext recoveries that people had sent me um finding out uh, making sure that their dates were correct and uh, cataloguing them so i knew which um, tv channel and region they came from uh, what time of day the recording was from and so on uh, and basically putting it into a monstrous spreadsheet which has got out of control <laughs> but um, collecting all these things in a, a more rigorous catalogued way so that if somebody says have we got a recovery from uh, Channel 4 on the 7th of April 1997 I can look in the spreadsheet and say yes in fact we've got two or whatever you know here are the files um, if you want to go and look for a page you you can uh, you can dig it out of the archive as it were yeah that's that's what's taken over my life for the last year and a bit is is going through cataloging all of the teletext recoveries that i and all the other teletext recoverers who've sent stuff into me have done to really work out what we've actually got uh, or most of the backlog in uh, but since then there's there's two or three more people come on board the team um, new new teletext recoverers who are doing their own cataloguing as it were to take some of the load off for that um, whether it's a sensible system and i'm doing it right i don't know there's a channel you can turn on 24 hours a day for the very latest information on sport constantly updated news international and regional tv gossip local cinema and music plus the latest information on holidays finance the environment and more and the amazing thing about this channel, you already have it. Teletext, the information channel, exclusively on ITV and Channel 4. Have you had anybody uh, contact you who may have, um, don't know, may, may have like, sent a letter into a service and was wondering if you'd recovered a page with their letter uh, published on the television? Because at the time, um, unless you had a, a very special television there was, or, or took a photograph of the screen, there was uh, no way of um, proving that you got anything um, up on any of the teletech services. Uh, apart from the the, the odd uh, Twitter thread about uh, various nerdy teletext recovery bits I do, I try to fly under the radar a bit in terms of um, 
being the the public face of teletext archives and so on. Really, the the teletext archaeologist Jason is the the person who gets all of the uh, who gets all of the attention, as it were, in terms of people wanting to know if the page exists and so on. Uh, I see my role more of a, a a librarian, archivist type role, going through doing the boring spreadsheet work and uh, moving the files around and <laughs> so you're keeping more, records. So you're more of the uh, goods in the back rather than the shop window. Yes, that's that's uh, more that's a good analogy, really. Um, I do obviously I do the, the turn of the worm stuff, and and that's my. That's my front of house uh, archive. Here's the here's the pages I've uh, found, sort of thing. But I mean, like I say, there's just there's too much to go through the stuff looking for pages. Uh, most of the time, I'll when I get a new uh, teletext recovery in, if it's Channel Four, I will do a quick extraction of the Turn of the Worm pages just to check, just to see which uh, chapter of which story it is. Uh, for my turn of the worm spreadsheet, and I will check that it's correct for the the supposed date, as a as a sort of a double check that the the date hasn't been entered wrong. But for the most part, when somebody sends me a, a teletext page, a, a tele, when somebody sends me a new teletext recovery, I will check the date, uh, channel, uh, and uh, time of day, and I'll put it into the system into the spreadsheet, and I won't look at any. Well, I'll look at page one hundred to see what. Uh, what region it's from to enter that data into the uh, the metadata but beyond that largely I won't look at any teletext pages in it because you know I might be I might be cataloging 30 teletext recoveries that day there's just so much to do we need more people doing that really going through um, having I, I sort of call it adopting a a magazine or adopting a, a part of the service in the, in the way that uh, Chris Bell does such a great job on the Super Page 58, and uh, Andrew Niles been uh, extracting the, the pages from the recoveries and cleaning them up for him. So that's sort of digitizer is his uh, his uh, his magazine that he looks after, and he also does the uh, the magazine uh, pages. I do the Turn of the Worm. Uh, and I'm also interested in the data broadcast stuff, so I, I go and have a good look at that. Would that be the um, Would that be the means where you could uh, download a, 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 a computer program for your computer at home via teletext for a modem? Well, the the, the downloading of software is is something called TeleSoftware, uh, and that was a system. CFAX uh, had their TeleSoftware service. And the the programs, uh, BBC microcomputer programs, were encoded into a special format where they could be placed on teletext pages. So on Magazine 7, uh, you got a few bits of, um, of pages to read on your television telling you what uh, programs there are this month and, and computer news and so on. Uh, then the rest of the pages there were all these these densely packed pages of symbols and letters and just you know basically just gobbledygook that your that the the teletext adapter plugged into your microcomputer could receive those pages and decode them back into a program that it could run 
so we've got quite a lot of that um, comes off the the teletext recoveries but if 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 a page full of um, news and so on is easy to restore because it's English text and you can you know you you know what how words are supposed to be spelt so you can tell what's been corrupted the turn of the worm uh, images or other teletext artwork is difficult to restore because uh, it's it's the pixels move around and it's quite difficult to tell which pixels should be where and where else the the tele software is almost impossible to restore because you just look at it and you go any of these these thousand characters could be wrong mm. and it just looks like complete nonsense but I have gone through and re restored uh, a few page uh, a few programs from a, a particularly clean uh, recovery that one of the recoverers mm. sent me there was a, a, a tele software service on Oracle uh, on channel 4 which that catered to different computers so that the BBC the CFAX system um, primarily was for the BBC microcomputer and then they added um, IBM PC stuff a little bit later on but the, they never carried anything for the Amstrad or the Spectrum and so on but Channel 4's uh, service Fortel uh, were setting up the, the 4 data telesoftware service and they got um, the teletext adapter developed by uh, OEL um, as their, you know, they branded that up with um, for for data, uh, tele software or something, for the uh, Sinclair Spectrum, and there was a, an Amstrad version as well, and I think there was a BBC Micro uh, version that you could get. Um, the difficulty with the the Sinclair Spectrum uh, tele software was that. It's a very underpowered machine. It's not got much RAM. The the, the design of the teletext adapter, the the firmware for it was seems like it was rushed, and it never had the ability to do the very clever redefinable tele software format that uh, the BBC were using for CFAX. Um, the the Amstrad version, the ROM for that did do it, but the the Sinclair version was very crude. Um, basically, just downloaded memory dumps from the teletext pages. It, it didn't take off in the way that the the CFAX telesoftware did. Um, possibly just because it didn't have a massive broadcasting corporation pouring money into it, uh, mm. forcing it to to work. It had to deal with the economic realities of it being a dead end really but the, there's so many sections on all the teletext services that uh, you know if people are interested in uh, the recipes or the 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 letter the the letters uh, back chat and all those sort of things if somebody is interested in particularly interested in those those parts of the service if they want to adopt that as their thing to go through and extract all the pages and clean them up and uh, go through and, and really look for what is in there that's interesting th that's the people we need we've got so many recoveries you know that I think you know there's maybe 10 people doing teletext recovery and they're going through we're getting hundreds and hundreds of tapes 
thousands and thousands and thousands of pages. We need people not recovering the tapes. We need people looking at what's been recovered at this point because there's just so much. So, so for a cleaner, then, you're just looking for people who could perhaps receive the, um, the, the, the file, the raw file, and then just clean the page up for you. Yes, I mean, obviously there's some teletext uh, ability, you know, understanding of teletext required, but that is something which can be trained. Uh, if people are interested in teletext, they can be shown how to uh, to do the file processing and so on to to extract the the pages. Um, so when you were recovering the uh, turn of the worm, do you have any idea where you are? How many you've got left to do? I do have some graphs that uh, auto-generate when I put stuff in the spreadsheets, but to be honest, I rarely look at them. Um, I've got quite a reasonable coverage of the 90s, and I've, there's a lot of recoveries uh, in the system for for you know 2000 to 2006, was it, when the... or 2005, when the turn of the worm finished. What, I've not been concentrating on the 2000s pages because sometime in late 1999 uh, either Teletext Limited or the so, somewhere in the broadcast chain the the checksums, the generation of the page checksums got broken. So from that point on, and to, apart from a, a small uh, a few months somewhere in the middle left somehow it came back to life uh, by itself the the checks checksums are broken which means that when i've restored the page i can't tell whether it's correct or not i don't like to put the turn of the worm images up with errors because if it's a badly damaged page and i'm fixing it up with no idea if i'm fixing it right that's putting my artistic thoughts onto the page rather than really being a true archive of the original page. So I'm not sure really what I'm doing with the 2000s pages yet. I'm just collecting them, collecting them, collecting them. So hopefully I end up with enough clean copies of the page that I can say this is what's come out of the, the recovery process and I'm happy to say that's something I can archive. Well, that, that's excellent, uh, Alistair. With everything that you are doing with, with the cataloguing um, of the archive, and all the recoveries and then updating the editor and then there's doing all the requests that everyone else wants to do and uh with you know propping the system back up when someone reports that it's down or it's not working in chrome when you're not doing any of that is there anything else that you like to do <laughs> sleep <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's, it comes and goes there's times when i can get into teletext and then other times i'll, I'll go off and you know, work on other hobbies, do retro computing stuff, or you know, we've been decorating the house a bit lately, so I've I've been doing that, and not paying attention to teletext really. So it comes and goes, and uh, I'll work on these things when I work on them. Well, thank you very much, for Alistair. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Yeah, no problem. Cheers. Alistair's work can be found at zxnet.co.uk
You have been listening to Teletext People. Teletext People is presented by me, Carl Attrell, and is a bite-high, no-limit production. I really enjoy doing these podcasts, but if you do want to help out with server costs, you can find out how to buy me a coffee in the links. <laughs>